Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. The word supernatural is defined something that exists outside of the natural realm and above and beyond the human realm. Hard for us to go there because we live in the natural realm. The realm that is touch, see, smell, something we reason with, so we accept it. When we talk about the supernatural realm, it's the invisible. It's that realm that a lot of people don't visit very often. If you visit the supernatural realm, it might be in a time of prayer or worship or prayer and fasting or some kind of a crisis where you press into God and you feel that Holy Spirit upon you and you feel the promises of the Lord and you go to the invisible realm because you have to have the invisible realm. What you have in your hands, not enough. So when you need healing, you press the invisible realm. Does it make sense to the natural mind? For a person to press the invisible realm, if they need something from God that they can't see, for someone to declare something they can't see, does it make sense to the natural mind? The supernatural is very real. The supernatural is more real than you and I. Supernatural realm does exist. It's the realm that God lives in. Because God lives in that realm, nothing is impossible. So when Jesus comes from that realm, takes on the human body and comes through the virgin birth and then lives his life, begins teaching the word of God, and he proclaims to people, nothing is impossible with God. It's because he came from that realm. For him to say that is so simple. There's no doubt in his mind, of course. God is unlimited. God has all power. God can do anything. Do you not understand that God created things out of nothing? God spoke the word and the earth was made. God spoke the word and the angels were created. God can do anything. Jesus came from that realm. He moved his believers into that realm. That's why we're called believers. We believe in another realm. We believe by faith that things happen that we can't see. Salvation. You can't see salvation. When you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Christ has risen from the dead, and you simply say a prayer with someone at the altar, in a home, a restaurant, wherever you got saved, and you say something like, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. How do you know he'll forgive you of your sin? Jesus, come into my heart. You can't see Jesus. You can't see your heart. And you can't see him enter. And so by faith, you begin to say from the very first step, the first step of Christianity is a step into the invisible realm. It's a step into the faith realm. You cannot see God. You cannot see Jesus. You cannot see the Holy Spirit. You cannot see your heart change. You cannot see what God's doing in your life, but you declare it. You say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. And you might feel something in your human emotion, in your heart. Not your human heart that Jesus comes into. It's your soul, mind, will, and emotions. It's your core being. But as Jesus enters your world, something begins to happen. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is just as real as your words. And the Holy Spirit is directed by words. That's why prayer is so important. And so we pray to an invisible God. We talk to an invisible Holy Spirit. We declare things that the natural mind and the natural eyes cannot see. 
And so we move into a realm that an unbeliever or a believer who has unfaith or won't move there cannot even imagine that you would pray for this to happen because you can't see it. The supernatural realm is the realm where things happen in the kingdom of God. And so we're talking about this word supernatural, God invading our natural realm. Our messages have been on a mindset, how to have a mindset that would allow us to have a supernatural pressing, opening the door. And I talked about how you open that door how you move your mind and your spirit to even press on the supernatural through prayer and confession, belief and understanding how big God is and how wonderful God is and what God wants to do and how God will actually move into your natural realm and do something. Talked about faith. We talked about evangelism. We talked about expectation. Today, I want to talk about a very special word. The word is turnaround. Turnaround. I want to talk with you about supernatural turnarounds. Here's my definition of supernatural turnaround. A supernatural turnaround is a divine encounter where God, and this is the word that got me going on this topic, reverses, reverses. Doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It's something very hard to grasp that God can actually reverse a circumstance. He can actually turn something that is very negative into something that's very positive, a divine reversal. He can actually turn something in the physical body from a sickness to a health, a divine reversal. A marriage that's fallen apart to a healed marriage, divine reversal. A business that's going down the tubes to a prosperous business, divine reversal. A circumstance that overwhelms you that you cannot change, cannot solve, cannot grasp. You have no answers for it. God says, I can turn that around. I'm the God of turnarounds. In the natural realm, we understand that God can turn things around. At least I think we understand that. And we can watch it sometimes. And this word is actually used a lot in sports. It's used quite a bit in business. It's used sometimes in the political arena, and it's used quite a bit in the medical world. They understand what you mean if you say it's a turnaround. In sports, we understand. If you say, man, they turned it around. A few years ago, George Mason was not even a thought to be in the NCAA Final Four tournament. They were one of the worst teams in all the 68 teams. Matter of fact, they argued whether they should even be in the 68 teams. Then George Mason had what sports calls the greatest turnaround in basketball history. They beat all the teams that they never should have even been on the court with, including Michigan and Connecticut. And every time they won a game, the news would just focus on them. At first it was a joke, and then it was a miracle. Wow, they won their first game. Can you, and then it was, this is more than a miracle. This is a double miracle. They are now under the second round. And, then third, and they just kept moving and moving and moving until everyone was focused on that one college because it was a turnaround. It was an unbelievable turnaround for that team. Young woman who tried out in year 2000 for the Olympics, didn't get in. Tried out again a few later, 
few years later didn't get in. She wanted to get into the 2008, but she got in an accident. Car crushed her leg, amputated her leg. She went ahead and went after the next Olympics. She won the qualifying first woman as an amputee to qualify to get into the Olympics. Why? Because she had a turnaround, not in her body, in her mind. And when you read her testimony, the turnaround came in her will, in her mindset. She could either become a statistic, a cripple, an amputee. A swimmer does not have a chance with one leg. She could accept all the facts because all the facts up until her were facts. This is the way that you will live your life. This is how you will live your life. She had a turnaround in her thinking. She turned a very negative, unbelievable, horrible situation into a mindset of a turnaround. She turned her mind around. She turned her spirit around. Then she turned her will around, and then she won. Now she's a statistic all by herself. There ain't nobody else. There's one that had that turnaround. Your turnaround for your life starts in your thinking. That's why it talks about a turnaround from a negative to a positive and shifting from your thoughts toward a new direction. It starts in your mind. It starts with you accepting that God could, God can, and God desires to turn something around in your life. But you have to believe. If you never believe, you never turn. If you never believe, you never reach. If you never believe, you accept the box they put you in. You accept the limitations they put you in. You accept your circumstance as being the circumstance that you're going to live your life with. I'm going to challenge you today. I want to challenge you that you would accept my word as a turnaround word, a supernatural aspect to your life. Here's my encouragement because it's possible. Everyone say it's possible. A little louder. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is possible. Turn to the other neighbor and say, it's possible. Why? In the realm of God... Everyone shout the word all. all. All things are possible. That's what Jesus says. It's not me making this up. Jesus said it. All things are possible. Come on, shout the word all. all. Okay, right now, think about your life. What have you written the word impossible over? What have you accepted in the box? What limitations have dropped over you? What have you done to allow your life to be shoved into a direction that you don't want to go? You would never choose it, but you just feel life is like a strong river current that's just carrying you down this road, and you can't stop it. You can stop it in your uh, mind, in your spirit, and in your circumstance. You can turn things around. You can turn things around. It's possible. Here's my word for you. Keep the faith. Turnarounds can and do happen. Believe this is your time. Could be your time. Could be a right now word for you. 
This could be one of those weekends that you walk away with a word saying, that's the word for me. This is the timing for me. This is what I've been knocking on. This is what I'm pressing against. I needed someone to push me over the line. I'm believing for a turnaround. I know that I'm near a breakthrough here. I'm believing this is my time. It's possible for your life, for your health, for your finance, for your prodigal, for your home, for your business, for your friends, for your marriage, for your relationships. Four, four, four. It's possible. There can be a turnaround. I have four specific turnarounds. We'll probably just do one. Let's look at the prayer. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me as a declaration. You know, I like words. Why? Because the Bible is very clear about this. What you believe in your heart and what you speak is very, very shaping. Faith needs to be heard. And faith comes out of not only what you hear other people say, what you hear yourself say. And you can build an atmosphere of unbelief, an atmosphere of negativity, an atmosphere of nothing's going to go on here. Or you can build an atmosphere with your own mouth. An atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of positive, an atmosphere of joy, an atmosphere God can. It's better to live life with an atmosphere that God can than God can't. Come on, it's better to live life with an atmosphere of maybe it's possible. I'm pressing this. You know, God can do these kind of things. I'm not going to give in to this. It's possible. Rather be around a possible person than someone that's always. Not going to happen. Can't be. It's impossible. This is our lot in life. These are the card dealt us. Well, we're not gamblers. We're believers. And if someone dealt you a card, reject the card and tell the devil you're not a gambler. You're in the hands of a mighty God and you don't play by the cards or roll the dice. God is in control of your life. That's right. You don't just say, well, you know, that's, that's my lot. Well, that's my card. That's Roll of the dice. That's, that's the way things happen. No, it's not. Your word and your spirit can have a turnaround. And it might just start with your words. Your words. Here's our prayer. Would you pray it out loud with me, everyone? Say, Lord. Okay, here we go. Turn my life around in a profound and miraculous way. Radically change my thoughts. Enlarge my heart to believe. Transform my expectations for my future. Now shout, I believe. By the way, by the way, am I talking to anybody in this room and rooms since I'm talking into four rooms right now? Am I talking to anybody that would say, I have at least one area in my life that needs to turn around? Am I talking to anybody that would say, I maybe have two areas? Am I talking to anybody that would say, I need all the turnarounds God has? Is that right? Yeah, why not? I need turnarounds before they need to turn. Come on supernatural U-turns are allowed in the kingdom of God. 
They're architected by the powerful hand of the Holy Spirit. Turn around. Let's look at the first one. If you want to go to your Bible, go to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Turnarounds are possible. Turnarounds are possible. Number one possibility is to turn around and your finance. Now I have four, and this just happens to be the first one. It's not the most important. They're all four equal, but this is the first one I came to in 2 Kings chapter 7. Everyone remember my words that I'm giving to you. Divine reversal. Divine reversal. Divine reversal. Divine reversal. Not only in your life, in your family, in our city, in our state, in our nation, and the nations of the world. God knows we need some divine reversals in our economy, some divine reversals in people making decisions. We need some help. We need a turnaround in our nation in every way and in the nations of the world. But you know what? It's possible that God could turn things around. It's possible. Now for you individually, your job, your finance, your business, your career, your choice of work. Startling statistic that over 70% of people in the workforce work at jobs they don't like. Work at jobs they don't like. Their greatest goal in life is to retire from that job. Monday morning is not their great morning. Friday night is. Be done for the week. I want to challenge you that we need to turn around in our whole mindset about life and work and money and what God wants to do with your finance. Listen to what I'm going to say. Because this is going to be more than a 2 Kings 7, 1 and 2 hermeneutics that would look at the cultural, historical context and use the law of hermeneutics to interpret 2 Kings 7, 1 and 2. I understand didactic teaching. I understand what I just said. I understand the laws of interpretation, how to be fair with it. I understand that. But I'm not just going to be didactic. I'm going to come over here and be a little bit prophetic. Prophetic is taking principles from the Scripture and applying them to your life right now by the breath of the Holy Spirit, breathing into you a word of faith to take the principle and live it out. Would you write that down? So it's not just what 2 Kings 7 says. It's what comes out of this that really gets my attention. A supernatural turnaround for your finance. Chapter 7, 2 Kings, verse 1. And Elisha said, let's stop right there. The most horrible context that you can imagine has taken place right here. You think we have it? All right. Oh. Their context for their city and their famine that brings this verse into play comes out of two mothers making a deal, one of the mothers breaking the deal, and them arguing with the king to make the one mother fulfill her promise. What was the deal? This was the deal. The famine was so severe, no food anywhere. There's nothing in the city. The whole city is starving to death, literally starving to death. Two mothers get together and they make a deal. They say, okay, we'll eat your baby today and we'll eat my baby tomorrow. That's how horribly devastating this famine is. Think of a mother cannibalizing their child. 
It's, a, it's an atmosphere that you and I know really nothing about, but that's the atmosphere. But what happened is the one mother, they ate the child, and the one mother hid her child. So the other mother was coming to the king and saying, she lied to us. My child is gone, and she's hidden her child. I want you to make her bring the child forward. Think of that. Think of the devastation of a king that would have to listen to two mothers arguing about cannibalizing their children. The king falls apart. He's devastated. This is his kingdom. This is what it's come to. There's no hope. There's no way out. The, the Assyrian army is coming down upon the city in a, in a severe taking of that city. And they're causing the famine. There's no way for this king to do anything about it. And up steps a prophet and says, uh, excuse me, excuse me. I have a word for you. The king stands up and he's leaning on one of his officers saying that he must have been very weak himself. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. He's leaning on one of his guys. Prophet says, I have a word for you. Elijah, what is it? Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 1. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, you're going to be selling sacks of flour for a dime. There's, there's no flour anywhere. For a dime, I mean, that. The prophet had come from another realm where the word of the Lord had been established, brought it down over to the real realm the reality of the need and stuck it right in the middle of an impossible, visually cannot imagine. Turn around. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow this time, there'll be so much food on the market that you'll be selling it for pennies. The servant spoke up. The king didn't. The servant did. The servant says, look, Look, prophet, even if heaven would open its windows and pour a miracle out, maybe that could happen. But there ain't no way this is going to happen. Prophet said, and, and amazing, if you read this, and I could go off on this, you should know when to shut up. And when not to declare your unbelief and not to resist the word of the Lord. Because if he would have shut up and not resisted, he wouldn't have died later on because of what he said. And the prophet looked at him and just simply, you would think the prophet would say, well, you know, there is going to be windows in heaven and I don't care what you say, servant. He didn't argue at all. He just said to the servant, it will happen. You will see it, but you won't eat any of it. A little eerie. Okay, what, what do you mean? You'll see. Sure enough, what happens is his declaration of unbelief bound him to a destiny of only seeing what God would do with others, but he would never eat of it. Hear me. The windows of heaven did open, but the windows 
were the weaving together of what already existed. The flower was already there. Didn't come from heaven. The angels weren't baking it up there. There was no supernatural skies open and the angels dropped down flower. None of that happened. God was already orchestrating something that already existed. But the people could not see it because they had no turnaround faith for it. Four lepers. Lepers. Those who have nothing to live for. One during the famine, one leper said to so his friend, says, why do we sit here and die? Oh, what do you want to do? Let's, let's just walk toward the Assyrians and maybe they'll throw some food on the road or something. Why not? We're going to die here. Four lepers. Got onto the road and start approaching. Now, here is where God takes weakness and makes it strong. He takes unusual and makes it supernatural. He takes something that you could never orchestrate, but it's in the natural realm. The four Lepers start walking toward the Assyrians and somehow God put a sound in their ears or something happened so that every time the lepers stepped down, it went boom. So the ear says, someone's coming. It's four lepers. They must have rented some other nations with larger armies and they're all coming down. Do you feel the earth moving? And all of them start getting scared. And so they all got all they could together and they ran for their life, trampling each other. By the time the four skinny little lepers got there, there's no one there. They said, hello? Hello? Ham and eggs is still in the skillet. <laughs> Coffee pot is still cooking. All the food you can imagine would be like going to a warehouse of Starbucks all in one place. All the stuff is free. You can eat anything you want. You can have prime rib. You can have a Starbucks latte. You can have the scones. You can have the muffins. You can have the eggs. You can have the cereal. Everything is out there. Where you have been starving to death, everything you want is right there. So the lepers start eating. And one of them said to the other, we're not doing the right thing. What are you talking about? Just eat. No. We need to go tell the king. There's enough food here for the whole city. They did. They went back, told the king. King sent out a horse, one rider. Guy came back and said, can't believe this. All the people ran out of the city, started grabbing everything, all the supplies you would ever want. And the officer whom the word of the Lord came to, you'll see it. You won't eat. When the people were running back with all their flour, selling it in the gate for a shekel, they trampled him in the dirt. He died watching them run by and the miracle in front of him saying, how did this happen? Let me bring it right down. Three things. Please write this down. One, Turnarounds come when you hear and believe the word of the Lord. Not what your mind says, not what others say, what the word of the Lord says, what the Bible says, what the prophet said. The word of the Lord coming to you. Number two, 
there's a specific timing to a turnaround. And my spirit says, I'm going to take this scripture and I'm going to apply it. Suddenly, right now, there's a turnaround this time tomorrow. I believe the Lord gave me this word for our church to say to many people. It's not for everybody. I understand that. But I feel a prophetic sense, a prayer, an intercession, a word of the Lord coming to me for City Bible Church as, as a lead pastor, someone trying to lead our church into the invisible realm. I feel the word of the Lord coming to me saying there's a turnaround coming for many people suddenly in seconds. It's just going to happen. You're going to wake up in the morning and everything has changed direction. Someone has done something, a, a job, a business, a marriage, a friend, a healing, something from the doctor. It's just going to turn around and you're going to remember this word and say it was suddenly, it's this time tomorrow, and it happened in the name of Jesus. Take it. Take it. Because for some of you, it's going to be exactly this. Third, is that God uses unusual people to meet the needs of other people in unusual times. He uses unusual people. Don't write off some of the unusual people that God's going to put in your path. Someone you might say, oh, they can't help me. Don't write them off. Don't you write them off. I had a guy in my church in Eugene. He was an odd fella. He was a different personality. I never really understood the guy. He's a guy that came into our church. I didn't know him that well. When I did talk to him, he was kind of spiritually fruit loom. You know, he just didn't have all the pieces together. He would say things to me that was so strange. And I would, I would think, you are such a strange person. I don't even know how to respond to you. And, but I tried to, and I was nice to him, and I would pray with him. And, and one day he said to me, he says, you think I'm a, a little odd, don't you? Oh, no, no. You know, he's, you do, don't you? And I said, well, you know, we're, we're all a little odd. But I'm thinking to myself, but you got all the odd genes in one pool. But I didn't say that to him. Because he's a really different fellow. He dressed different. His wife was different. The way they went about life. One day he came up to me and he says, he says, Pastor Frank, I still don't know this man. He's brand new to our church. He says, Pastor Frank. He said, God spoke to me. I said, really? He said, that's right. He says, I I'm to give you this check. I said, okay. $50,000. So I said to him, you're not odd. <laughs> now I thought to myself, honestly, I thought to myself, it's a fake check. It's like Monopoly money. There's no way he has $50,000. There's no possible way. Looking at him and just everything about them, and I just kind of took it as a, friendly gesture. What the, thank you very much. And when I went to take the check, he held it. He says, uh, you don't think I have the money, do you? <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> then he said to me, he goes, you don't know really who I am, do you? I said, I don't. He says, I own all the Taco Bells in Eugene, Springfield, Albany, and he started naming the cities. I said, you do? He goes, yeah. He says, I've owned them for years. He says, I have lots of money. I said, you're really a very wonderful man. 
Later on, same man. He came to me with his Bible open, came to my office. Remember, I'm just, what, 32, 33 years old, young pastor trying to build a church. I don't know much myself. He comes in with a very strange verse that has all the building things that were going to take place in a building program. I think it was out of Ezra somewhere. And they had all the animals listed and all the money and everything listed in the chapter. And so he's reading the chapter to me. And honestly, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, where is this going this time? And he said to me, Pastor Frank, he said, whatever that adds up to, the Holy Spirit told me to write you a check. So I said, let's get a calculator. <laughs> we did. We got a calculator. My secretary came in and we went through the whole list. The weirdest thing I've ever done. No matter how you do it, it comes up to 100000 So I do it again. I said, well, it adds up to 100000 He goes, that's what I got too. Hands me a check for 100000 I said to him, God bless odd people. <laughs> now, his hermeneutics, his way about it, would just be a little funny for me. But sometimes God uses funny things, funny people, funny circumstances to bring a miracle into your life. Don't write it off. It could be a relative. It could be someone saying, I want to give you a car. Don't say no. They might say, well, it's very old. I knew it. But it might be an antique collector's item. Say, whatever. Say, yeah, sure. Bring it on. Pastor said, nobody's weird. God uses everything. Elijah had the funny bird. You know, the blackbird that come to feed him every day. And he said to God, the blackbird is a dirty bird because it brings meat from animals that are dead. And God says, I'm going to have him bring you food every day. Thank you very much. I'm not going to eat it. God said, then you starve. Okay, blackbird's in. Bring it on. Sometimes God uses a funny bird. A funny bird. It could be your income tax comes back. I won't, won't go there about the funny bird there, but that could be a funny bird. <laughs> Whoever God uses, however he wants to bring it, I have a word of the Lord for you. This time tomorrow, I'm not saying 24 hours, but I'm saying it says to me a quick Amen. turnaround is coming. For your job, for your career, for your promotion, for your finance, for your business. I believe there's a bird flying your way. I believe there's a word of the Lord coming to you. I believe there's something God's going to turn around that you can't even see, but he's going to orchestrate the natural and deliver it right into your hands. And you're going to say, this is a divine turnaround. You've not been able to sell your house before and you've got to sell it. It will sell. It will sell. Now, if you only look at the city in famine, you won't receive the word of the Lord. You'll be like the officer saying, oh, come on. Do you know that 
800 houses are for sale in my area and only two have sold. And do you know that 800 businesses and only three have been? Do you know that 69 people put in an application for that one silly little? Do you know that no one's being promoted? Do you know? I don't know what you know and I don't care what I know. What I'm saying to you is we want some supernatural turnaround to fall into our lives. And we want to believe that that can happen. 